Hi, Joe. Hey, Robert. Uh, feels like it's been a while. Uh, what are you talking about? We just talked last week. Well, no, I mean, I mean the show. I mean, it feels like, you know, it's been a while. Like, you know, maybe 577 days and three hours and 42 minutes. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? I, you know, it's been a while since we've done this. You know, I think this, it, this, this thing, we've, it's been a while. It might be time for you to hang it up because um, I don't know what you're talking about. This might be, <laughs> this might be it for you in marketing and me for that matter. <laughs> Because who cares? It's been that way for a while, been, my friend. Yeah, I think so. my my swan song has been playing for some time. Well, anyways, <laughs> are you uh, are you ready to begin this thing? Yeah, let's roll. And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose P and R with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 212, the Genesis Planet episode of PNR's This Old Marketing. That's right. We're back. Recorded Thursday, July 11th, 2019. And with me as well, my co-host, my colleague, and as he will be and always shall be, my friend, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I, would, no, I was so tempted to do my old voice. I think, Robert... Hello, Robert. <laughs> yeah. It's been. I can't see so good anymore. Where's the on button? We are feeling older today. There is no doubt about that. We are feeling older than we did the last time we did this fun thing. No, but you and I, before the show, we were top 577 days. That's excruciatingly long. Yeah. Well, and we heard it. We heard it from. You know, I mean, I mean, you are now the man of leisure, of course. But I heard it every <laughs> every event. That I go to every conference I speak at, every workshop, every client engagement, people were bummed, and we, you know, and both. And I know I'm speaking for you here, but I and I know both of us when we would hear this, we would say, "I miss it." We, you know, we really, really did, truly miss it, and we made a promise. We we made a promise to say we weren't going to basically tell everybody that we were taking a hiatus or a break or whatever. Um, without knowing for sure if we were coming back. And so we ended it, you know, rather, <laughs> rather conclusively. But here we are. We're back again, 577 days later. And I, I have to say this is a joy, a warmness in my heart because I have missed it. Well, and, and you and I, we, I've missed talking to you. I and mean, we, we yeah. just, we, we continued to talk, but we didn't have our regular conversations. Like, and I have no idea how the Cowboys are doing this year. So I'm sort of at a loss there. Well, football season hasn't started well, see, yet. No, so see, I'm we'll, really in the dark. I have no idea what's you know. Yeah, well, you're a Browns fan, so that's the well, way that rolls. Uh, <laughs> hey, we are so excited. I might actually yeah. – I, I, I tell the story to everyone. I think I've told you before, but let's go back two years ago. And we – I've been a season ticket holder for the Cleveland Browns for over 10 years. And if I didn't want to use the ticket for whatever reason, I would right. have to give somebody the tickets and a $20 bill for them to take it. <laughs> True story. I am not right. kidding you. And now everybody's excited about yeah, Baker you got and everything uh, else going. Odell Beckham Odell, Jr. Oh, and you got you got everybody coming up now. It's going to be pretty exciting. No, I wanted to tell you this story before we got started. So I, yeah, you know, I've only done a few speeches here or there, but I did get asked to do online marketing rock, rock stars event Omar 
19 in Hamburg, Germany. I saw that. I saw that it on was, social media. Well, it was it was the biggest crowd I've ever spoken in front of before, which is it was about 7500 or 8000 people. It was great. It was it was like a movie set on there and uh I spoke right before Ellie Gold, Golding, which I thought was unbelievable. But everywhere that I went, everywhere I walked, where they still recognized who I was, they would come up to me. And again, it wasn't about the book. It wasn't about anything else I ever did. It was always about, man, Joe, I missed the podcast, you and Robert. Yeah. And so really, it was probably about that time when I got thinking, and I think I reached out to you, and I said, well, is is there any purpose for this podcast? Like, is is, is something I haven't paid attention? Has, has somebody well, else? The come question to the is, fold? did we ever have a purpose? I, mean, I don't know that we ever had a purpose behind this thing, other than to be snarky and have some fun. But but yeah. But, but no, uh, I, you know, I asked you. I said, well, are there have there been other good marketing podcasts out there? And you said, no, frankly, there's not. <laughs> There's not. There, no, I'm just kidding. We have a lot of yeah, really there, good friends. There are some really good marketing podcasts really good out there, ones, but, but but you know, I mean, I mean, full transparency. We've heard from some of our colleagues too that were doing that and still are doing podcasts. Who said, "Hey, we miss you guys too." You know, you guys were one of the shows that we really looked up to, and so um, it was. It was very. Yeah, it's been it's been very nostalgic, I'll put it that way. And uh it's good to be back. It's good to be back talking with you. Do we have before we get started, which I'm sure people actually want to hear yeah. marketing <laughs> and business stuff from us, but did did you want to update anyone on what you've been doing for the past year and a half or have you <laughs> well, been doing anything? I don't know. I I'm off of Facebook uh, almost entirely now, so I all I know is I think you still do your Friday concoctions. Uh, so I know you're that is correct. Yeah. Hashtag Friday concoctions. Well, as Dr. Evil would say, the story of my life is quite inconsequential. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, literally, I've been doing the same thing that I did the last time we signed off, which is I've been running around the planet helping companies figure out their operational side of content strategy and content marketing. And I guess the only really marked change is the fact that I now have uh, a team. There's a whole team of us working together under what we now call the content advisory, which is partnered with CMI. And uh, we're a separate little organization, you know, doing the same thing we've been doing forever, but we're just bigger now and having a ton of fun doing it. Well, congratulations. That's fantastic. It's a little scary, actually, to hear that you have more of you running around. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And you, sir? I mean, I mean, I think that's probably the 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 bigger million dollar question is what you've been doing for the last 577 days. Well, I got it. I I have to be honest with you. I really did. I feel I, I've taken very good advantage of having the time and you know 2018 I took a full sabbatical year where I basically said I w- I wasn't going to do anything business related. The first 30 days I went electronics free, which no email, no social, which was like a deep cleanse, which was fantastic. And, uh, and I actually started working on my first novel, which you've read part of that. And since you read it, that was about what, six months ago, maybe when you got your hands on it, I've been through four edits since then. And, uh, and I'm real. Sounds like I got to read it. You might have to read it again. I cut it down. I cut about 15,000 words out. And, um, I, all I can say is that writing fiction is much more challenging for me 
than writing business. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, it's a tough one. But yeah, it's a suspense thriller uh, about a marketing guy who inherits a funeral home <laughs> when his father passes away and then all hell breaks loose. Um, uh, sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, yeah. I really wanted to go out there with something I knew nothing yeah. about. So of course. Knew nothing about, right, exactly. Marketing guy, you know, I grew up in a funeral home. <laughs> I know nothing about these things, but it, it's a fun <laughs> book if you like, you know, I, my goal was, and I one simple goal. My wife, Pam, as you know, who used to run operations for Content Marketing Institute, she, you know, I, I've written five books, two of them with you, and she's only read the acknowledgement section of any one of those books. She's never read any parts of those books. And my goal right. was, can I get her to read one of my <laughs> Something books? Something that I've written, yeah. And she did. That's, she, and that's she actually fantastic. really enjoyed it. So she's going through it again for the second time now on, on the review here. So it's been... It's been fun hanging out with the boys. My boys are, uh, you know, going into being a junior and senior in high school, and we're we're going strong with Orange Effect Foundation. Uh, I think we've amazing grants. We've got grants out to 175 kids in 28 states, helping them with their speech therapy. And uh, it's just there's just so many good things. I, I wish I had something to say. It was oh, it's just been terrible. But honestly, the the biggest thing that I've missed is is talking with my friends. So this will be uh. fun getting this going again. Well, we are back, and that segues us nicely to our top of the show uh, segment, which is, of course, one story from the news that really gets to the theme of what we're going to be talking about um, in this episode. And this is just a quick, uh, our quick takes on this particular news item. And this particular news item comes to us courtesy of Media Post. Um, and, uh, you know, it's an interesting one. I mean, it should be noted that we're going to pivot, you know, slightly here and talk about all things marketing, not just stuff around content marketing. We're going to talk about marketing things in general in the show going forward. Um, and the article opens up by talking about this idea of subscription fatigue. And the headline here is, Publishers Face Another Challenge, which is called Subscription Fatigue. The article opens up by saying, Publishers that have tried to replace declining print and digital ad sales with consumer revenue have to now also confront people's unwillingness to pay for online news. Most consumers said they wouldn't open their wallets for online news, and the proportion of people who are willing to pay has grown only slightly in the past six years, said the Reuters Institute in its annual digital news report. Subscription fatigue, as they're calling it, may become a bigger problem for a lot of different kinds of services because people are now paying for things like Netflix and Spotify and subscriptions to software and all kinds of things. And so it's becoming harder to get that subscriber engaged. And I think this plays an important role when we're talking about marketing and content marketing. Um, so what say you? What say you to this this idea of subscription fatigue? Well, first of all, if you're talking about the news, you're absolutely right, because nobody... <laughs> it's got to be the worst business to be in, just covering the news today. Uh, the story that I thought of as soon as you sent me this article was, I was hanging out with my friends last week, and they were actually talking about what a pain it is to have all these subscription options now, and they were kind of pining for the good old days of cable. Oh, remember when we just got them all in one package? Right. And now I've got to sign up for Netflix and Prime and there's HBO Go and all that other stuff. And I was looking I was I was like, I can't believe this conversation is going on. Are you kidding me? You you've you now have everything you want. <laughs> we got exactly what you got what exactly what for. you're asking for. Yeah. And you're gonna get Disney over the top and ESPN over the top and then you're complaining about this? Are you are you kidding me? Um I guess my take is 
is it there? Yes, but it's temporary because I don't think we're used to it. I think people will say, this is what I want to get. I want to get this one. And if it's really good quality, people will subscribe to it. I think the challenge is, is that there's just too much of the same. There's too much sameness going on. I mean, when The Athletic came out, uh, I heard from all kinds of people that said, oh, we're def- I'm paying four bucks a month for that service because their take on sports is different than what ESPN is doing. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think you've got a couple of things going on, which I totally agree with you. I think the news is something where there is sort of a, a battle, right? So if we sort of segment this and we look at this in two, through two lenses, right, which is the subscription fatigue because I'm subscribed to too many things, right? I think you're exactly right, you know, where we look at, you know, the news or something like The Athletic where it's basically covering something that has just happened. And so what we're looking for is high-quality experiences, writing, video, whatever the format is, and we just want that on a consistent basis, right? We Mm -hmm. expect that to be on a consistent basis, and that's what keeps us there. And then the second version of that is what I think we're seeing with things like Prime, HBO, CBS Online, you know, those kinds of things where I think what you're seeing are subscribers subscribing to events or shows, um, instead of the actual having loyalty to the actual platform. And so a great example of this is um, there was some, I saw some chart that showed the number of unsubscribes basically from HBO after Game yep. of Thrones ended. And so I think you're going to start seeing a lot of that in both situations where we're going to start looking at subscribers now as more temporal in nature and basically subscribing to seasons and coming on and coming off and sort of managing. And here's, the I think, a really interesting million-dollar business idea, if I were entrepreneurial at all, which is how could we actually, how could you create something that actually helps you as a consumer manage that or as a business manage that, right? So, for example, I subscribe to CMI's weekly newsletter, and I get it every Friday at 9 a.m. my local time, and it's basically I can depend on it. Now, that may or may not be the most optimal time for me to actually get that. And so if there was some sort of artificial intelligence or algorithmic driven thing to say, you know, actually where you really prefer that, Robert Rose, is a Monday at 8 a.m., it can basically save that up for me so that it would basically optimize all of the subscriptions I have to deliver me the, 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 the content I want in the best filtered way possible. And I think, I, but more often, I think that the broader trend here to me is, is that you're going to start seeing subscriptions become more temporal, right? Where people sign up for a while and then they go away for a while and then they sign up again and then they go away for a while. And I think that's just going to become the new normal. Well, and you saw that with Stranger Things as well. I mean, you saw the big yeah, jump exactly. people that, that canceled their Netflix subscription. They're, oh, we got to get Stranger Things. That's right. You know what I thought was interesting? You know, because I just signed up for CBS, by the way. I signed up for CBS online, and I have signed up for it only for the new Star Trek, right? So I signed up for it for the – and I'm about, you know, a third of the way through season two. And it's, it, you know, it's keeping my attention. And so – if it doesn't, or if it ultimately ends and does goes away, there ain't a lot there that's going to keep me on CBS Online to yeah. keep me in that. So they better find something else that you know sort of um, you know replaces that itch. If but it were, it, I don't know if you if you have a Roku. I I use Roku. Do you use Roku 
at all? No, it's sort of. So it's basically like your your uh, Amazon Fire, you can or um, Apple TV, where you can control all of your different apps. But what's interesting about where Roku is going, and I, it seems to be they're going this way, where they can say, okay, you can sign up to HBO Go through Roku, you can sign up to Netflix, and they're starting to package themselves. And I think what you're going to start seeing is, oh, okay, get Netflix and HBO Go and CBS, and we'll package that for a special price for you for 19.95 a month or something like mm. that. So they're yeah. almost becoming, you know, we just talked about, they're going to become the Bundles. cable, te- yeah. Yeah, the bundled yeah. source of that. And that's why Roku stock has basically tripled in the last year because they are getting, I mean, so many new subscribers because of ease of use. Now you you use that with sort of the CMI newsletter and somebody figuring that out, I think from right. the a, Roku for B2B content yeah. would be a really interesting. So somebody go out there and do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I don't have the energy. To One do show it. back and we're already creating but value. You, we're somebody, already creating value. Somebody else could. Well, here's the other opportunity. <laughs> they mentioned in this article, which I loved, and I didn't know this. Half of the nation's counties do not have a newspaper anymore. That's right. I have amazing, no idea what to do with that, Robert, but that's a huge opportunity if you're thinking about back yes. to news, which I don't like that business model. But if you're thinking about it and you were, let's say, let's look at, you know, Cleveland, Ohio still has a newspaper, a plain dealer. Yeah. But let's say for some reason that was going to go out of business. Well, maybe you have a Progressive, which is headquartered here, or a Parker Hannifin or a Lincoln Electric or somebody like that saying, we care so much about this area locally, we're going to take this <laughs> on. I think we've talked about this before on, on the podcast. But now <laughs> yes, seeing that there's yeah. an opportunity, there you go. There's, it's so. huge. It's huge. All right. So. Uh, Shall we move on to our sure. uh, in-depth section now? Oh yeah, that's sure. Yes, I'm. I'm All right, let's, I'm sort of getting let's used keep to this, this thing. Again. I don't know. Yeah, let's keep. Yeah, let's keep let's this ship moving. All right. Well, our in-depth section, folks, is our second segment of the show, and it's where Joe and I each pick something that has our attention in the world of marketing, and we pick a couple of different news items that sort of peaked, peaked, p i q u e d, peaked our attention. Um, and uh, let's see. Let's, we're going to start with Joe. Um, and his first article here, which I think is really interesting, which is why digitally native brands are turning to print. Now, this is so shocking that you would actually bring this up. <laughs> um, and the article opens up and says, what do Netflix, Dollar Shave Club, Bumble, and Airbnb all have in common? Well, as the article says, they're all digitally native brands who have used clever tech innovations to go direct to audiences and disrupt their sectors. And it's got an exclamation point after that, so you know they really mean it. I hear you cry, and you are right, but these brands are have even more in common than their status as pace-setting digital disruptors would let you know. All of the aforementioned brands, the article says, has in the last year launched print magazines dun 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 the article goes on to talk about that so what say you why did this pique your attention my friend again i think there's an opportunity for anyone listening to this whether you're a small company or big company there's all sorts of reasons to do this they mention in this article the idea of trust and people still trust the printed word more than anything coming uh, to them online so there's that there's the idea of you even though you don't control the message you have more control over what you're putting in print than you would do anywhere else because it's made one time delivered to a very specific audience. You have an opportunity to build that audience through a print subscription. I think the the, the thing that we talked about and why podcasts have grown so much because there was so little po- competition there. Well, if you look at 
print and competition, even from the last time we were talking to each other, it has dwindled down to what an opportunity if you wanted to build an audience. They're not getting their printed magazines, their printed newspapers anymore. And they're still getting the mail, as far as I can tell. I see the, the United States Postal Service still trolling around, delivering stuff. But I don't get my print magazines anymore. I don't get my wonderful print experiences. That's right. And I've covered this a little bit on my newsletter, the idea that there's so many more people, millennials included, Generation Z included, that they have to take a break, break from their smartphones. They want to have an experience outside of that device. And if you have a group of people that are now clamoring for this, wow, what a – you can really do something special as a brand or as a company if you wanted to deliver a printed experience to them. And you're seeing Netflix, Dollar Shave Club. Uh, I love this quote from the guy at Dollar Shave Club. He's Basically, he says it's the, it's the place that they trust us. We really focus on this content brand. It's a last bastion of control. He's talking like a publisher. He's talking like a media company. So yep. I, the reason, that's the reason why I love this article. It, we've talked about this for how many, how many episodes in the past, and sure. it's probably a, uh, a, something more important or as important as ever to look at if you're a marketing person. You know, the thing that I mean, and I 110% agree with you, and the thing that I love so much about this idea of print, you know, it was something that actually we had the honor, speaking of the, the little consulting thing that we do, um, to work with John Deere, the classic, of course, brand of uh, farming equipment and, and, of course, one of the originators of, of content marketing and their Furrow magazine. And one of the things that we heard as we were working with the company on, they were looking at doing digital versions, and that's a whole other story. But basically, when we talked about the print magazine, as we started talking with consumers of it, in other words, readers of the print magazine, the thing that stood out to me the most was as you, we started thinking about, well, what's the ROI or what's the business case for print? The thing that continued to come up and up again was that the consumers of that magazine saved every issue. Oh, yeah. It it wasn't it wasn't that they just read it and then it went into the dustbin. They, you know, routinely find consumers of that magazine who have it stacked, you know, in their kitchen or stacked in a little basket where they have, you know, all, you know, 12 previous issues from the previous year and routinely go back and look at the pictures or read the articles or get the, you know, what whatever article they 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 wanted to read again. That's power, right? That's the fact that, you know, you've got something that's got that kind of reach into a consumer and delivering that kind of experience over and over and over again. That's there. There's real value there. I totally agree. And I'll go back. I've written a thousand articles on this one to when I just started, first started in publishing. And the holy grail for a content brand was a powerful print experience, the leading online destination for content in your niche and an amazing in-person experience. Yeah. That, in my opinion, that has not changed. That's but right. I think for some reason, because, I don't know, they talk about it in the article, a lot of brands think it's either or. Oh, I, I can't yeah. be print and online. Well, yeah. well, when you get, yes, you start with one, you grow that one, then you start another one. But when you get to a point where, boy, that if you say that is the content brand of our time, you'll say, Oh, they have those three things. And you know what? Look at what New York Times has done. I mean, now yep. they're really getting into the event business. They have the yep. online. They have the print. Now they have the event. New York Times, I could argue, is as strong as they've ever been. 
Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. Well, look at, I mean, we talk about this in, in our book, um, Killing Marketing. We talk about Terminus, right, mm-hmm. as, a, as an amazing example of content marketing, of course. But, you know, the only thing they lack is print, right? They started with a digital. They went to audio and created a podcast. And then they have their event that is now making a profit. And so they've got this beautiful integrated media content brand called Flip My Funnel. And the only thing they lack now is launching a print magazine, which could be next for them. And should be. Yeah. There People. You go. I, and it's... Well, we'll, maybe we'll get to this later in the show or some other time, but it's so hard for marketers, and you and I have talked to many of them, where to take an idea like, oh, we're going to launch a magazine, or uh, a competitor of ours, or a the media one of, one of the lead media brands in our industry is killing their magazine. Is there an opportunity? Heck, what was it? A couple of days ago, Mad Magazine just said they yeah. were... I mean, do you let that die, or is there some quirky brand out there that could take it over? It's, it's the good Lord. I mean, yes. uh, you know, the answer yeah, is yes, but nobody yeah. yes, does exactly. it. It's frustrating. Oh, okay. you will. Fine. You will. <laughs> you will. Okay. All, All right. right. Moving on. Next one. My uh, article, my, my, though is, is coming from me uh, this week, um, is a really interesting one. It is also sort of a, um, a multimedia experience as it is a podcast episode from McKinsey. By the way, a great podcast if you want to geek out to McKinsey-like things. Um, and But there's a transcript as well, of course, in the link that we'll put in the show notes and the the. Um, the wonderful thing about this episode of this particular podcast, it's called How to Unlock Marketing-Led Growth, Data, Creativity, and Credibility. Um, and it is an interview um, with uh, McKinsey Partners, Jason Heller, um, and uh, and senior expert, and boy, I'm going to botch this name, um, Biljana Svetanovsky. Oh, that's, um, that's so nice. That's, yeah. Bless uh, you. You know, I've, I thank you. <laughs> and so they're presenting their latest research on this episode, and they're talking about really the, the sort of overarching status of where marketing is in 2019. And it's really on the heels. Um, well, the podcast was actually recorded, but it came out sort of on the heels of Con, the Con Festival. And they talk a lot about that and sort of where we are on the agency side and where we are on marketing strategy side. And just a couple of things really to pull out of this interview, which I found really interesting. And most of it was around the idea of where trust is right now with agencies. And as they've discovered, trust is at an all-time low with agencies, both on the media buying side, on the creative side, and certainly on the data side. And in a new world of GDPR and privacy and sort of the evolution of where things are going, the new competition, in-housing of a lot of creative services, not just like production services, but like big idea services. And as they both sort of conclude, there's a lot of there's a lot of work to do for agencies, um, and I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think this is a huge opportunity for those of us that are looking, sort of, as an adjacency and a very specialist type of service to what the big agencies used to provide. Because I think, and this is my experience, that we're starting to see brands really figure out how to integrate all this stuff in a in an interesting way lots of stuff to do lots of challenges we'll certainly talk about that in some of the other stories but i think this interview really points out that what mckinsey is finding in their research is a lot of the things that we're observing which is that it's it there is a lot of chaos right now and a lot of disruption going on in the agency space and especially with the bigger brands um and there's big opportunity there to go to go look at it 
You know, the one thing I got out of this, I, I didn't listen to the podcast. I just read through the show notes that you sent me. The, yeah. It, and and all, throughout it talks about how it's so important for the chief marketing officer to build a relationship with not only the CEO, but the entire C-suite. And Bilana here talks about this over and over again about this. And, and I think what's happened and this, and you'll find this in, a, in rare growth companies when you go in and talk to the CMO, but very few of them take it on as their responsibility as teacher that they should be teaching the organization how they're marketing, what their marketing stands for, and basically just about marketing in general. And I think that's where you fall flat. I mean, I, I'm a big uh, supporter. My mentor, Don Schultz, who wrote uh, Integrated Marketing Communications and a bunch of other books, he says, before you market externally to your customers, your number one priority is to teach and market internally. And we've oh, forgotten yeah. that along the way. And if you're saying what's the – even for the, for the agencies to teach – the marketers, the CMOs, and the CMOs to teach marketing to the CEO, that's a daily activity that has to happen. And I rarely have found – and you go into more companies now. I don't know if you see this, but you, you see everybody talking about, oh, we need to sell more widgets. We need to do this. We need more demand gen, all this other stuff, data, AI, everything's going on. But they don't have – that internal teaching component that's necessary that's the building blocks for all the external stuff to happen so it's yeah it's worse than that actually which is this is really the 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 crime um which is one of the first things that we actually talk about when we go in and visit with a client is we say tell me about your integrated marketing and communications plan. Let's talk about your overall marketing plan. And, and literally at the VP or CMO or whatever the you know, sort of lead in marketing is, and they don't have them anymore. They don't, it's not that they don't create them or that they're short-term or that they're, they just don't even have the concept anymore. Basically, you've got individual groups managing their individual slice of the funnel or the customer journey if they're even more advanced than that and basically what they're trying to do is optimize their little slice so you've got a demand gen team trying to optimize demand generation you've got a brand team trying to optimize the top of the funnel with brand stories you've got a corporate comms trying to do influencer marketing you've got sales enablement trying to do you know account based marketing or you know sort of conversion or drip marketing all of that's happening without sort of an understanding of what it is we're doing as a company. And that leads us to this idea that we've, you know, I've seen bandied about on on many, many articles. And this kind of touches on it a little bit, which is basically, is the CMO job too big right now? Is it too big for companies anymore? You know, do you need to start to carve up the idea of a CMO or what marketing really means into this idea of, customer experience or a chief digital officer or, you know, whatever it is, the idea of one group, i.e. marketing, managing the entirety of the customer journey may just be too big a job for most big businesses. And, you know, you see this, I, I see this all the time, especially in big B2B companies where there's a, you know, there's a CMO of digital and then there's a CMO of the brand or the rest of the, you know, kind of marketing stuff. And that's a really weird place to be is is to start to silo marketing off in that way. And so, have you you haven't seen that work? Have you seen that work? I have not. I have not seen that work. work It's it's a it's typically a reaction to so much going on 
In other words, the teams are just so big that it becomes, you know, untenable for one person to manage it all. And so, but it's not working. The Where that's happening, I definitely see it's not working. And what we're seeing now is actually sort of a regression back to the sort of more centralized model where we're seeing marketing departments really simplify um, and really, and, and I mean that in a good way, simplify sort of what is our job? What are we trying to, you know, optimize? Where we've to where we can you know um, really segment teams to be the most effective. How can we manage content better? How can we actually create better paid strategies? And quite frankly, looking at how they can um, you know uh, eliminate the you know basically cadre of agencies that they've that they've built up in this process. So there's a lot of like let's just start reducing this complex fraction. And, and, and really start simplifying and getting de-siloed. So, I mean, that's what's keeping us busy these days. We're seeing, we're seeing a lot of it. And it's good news, I think. I think it's good news for most businesses. Well, it, ha- it has to happen because yeah. even, I mean, well, I'll talk a little bit about this in, in my rant, the idea that companies still feel like they have to be everywhere. They have to create content on every channel. They ju- they're making it way too complex and they're getting lost in it. And if they're lost in it, their customers are certainly lost in it. So, yeah, no doubt. All right. Moving on to another quick story from you, my friend, Ooh. Um, which is also basically segueing beautifully out of what we were just talking about. It's funny. It's almost like somebody puts these together like and designs this whole show. Strange. Um, it's 577 days later. I'm still got it. I still got it, baby. Um, the article is from uh, a wonderful website, martechseries.com. And the uh, headline here is a turning point for the ad industry. Unilever and Deloitte uh, reflecting on con um, and the article I think this was just a fascinating article um, but it opens up by saying the Economist Group TEG uh, has returned to the con line international festival with a program of engaging debate and discussion led by the Economist journalists uh, in its final day wake up with the Economist at con very clever name there. Um, the Economist spoke with uh, Aline Santos, the, the Executive Vice President of Global Marketing and Chief Diversity uh, at Unilever, and Meg Farron, the Chief Marketing Officer at KFC UK in Ireland, and Suzanne Kunkel, the Chief Marketing Officer at Deloitte. And basically, they really talked about what sort of stood out to them at this year's con. And the two key standouts, as they talk about in this article, are sort of the collaboration for higher purpose thinking. Um, with this idea of you know combining creativity, data, and technology, huh? Interesting segue there. Mm, yeah. um, and then, of course, the problems that they're seeing with agencies and clients and trust and and all of that stuff. So, was there anything in particular that really stood out to you here? Well, the, there were a lot of articles, and I just picked this one, and I want to get your take on it as well. But I had no idea. I mean, I've been I've been uh, sort of out of the business for a while. But as I come back out into the light, <laughs> everyone's talking about brand purpose. Is, yeah. this, is this not the hottest topic going on it's, right now? It's a hot, it's a hot topic. I yeah, literally, definitely. 15 yeah. minutes ago, literally. You'll hear about in, it in my rant for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, so I yeah. want to hear your take. But literally, yeah. in my inbox, ANA, uh, Association of National Advertisers, just did their brand purpose report. Now, the reason, and I, I don't know if it's any good, but I'll, I'll check it out and see. Now, I think that it's important from, I think it, it can sort of get away from you a little bit, but the important part about this, and this is what we see in 
um, content marketing plans that they don't that there, there, there's no purpose to the content itself and that's why I thought about this one as important because they're, they're really talking about there has to be a reason to exist beyond profit what is that basically what does our company stand for type of <laughs> right? thing yeah. and hmm, where have I heard that before? yeah exactly hmm. and what's interesting I, yeah. I, and I don't have the article in front of me but I know you, and they talk about Unilever in here but Unilever's come out and said Everything is around sustainability. Like that, each one of their brands is trying to find what is their sustainability purpose. And I don't know if that's just the flavor of the month or that's going to be going forward. And now you see that their content programs are leading in that direction from that overall brand purpose. Now, here's what it got me thinking of, and and you probably know this because you're you're a big Apple guy. But the and I'll put we'll put this. Maybe people have seen this or not, but this is back in on September twenty third, nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, and this is a video of Steve Jobs. It's an internal meeting at Apple, and this is when Steve Jobs just came back to Apple. Uh, I think he was interim CEO at the time. Yeah, he just wasn't exactly. full time, and That's he right. was talking about their Think Different program. And this is where he goes on, and it's fascinating. Twelve minutes, I think it's even five minutes of this fifteen minute video. He talks about how. Apple has gotten into a rut because all we're talking about is features and benefits. And we're not yep. talking about what we stand for and who do we stand for. And he goes on and he says, we're, we're all about focusing on the people that want to change, crazy people that want to change the world. That's what Apple stands for. That's what we've always stood for. And that's how we need to market. We're not, people aren't going to buy us necessarily because, and he says, well, we create great boxes and we create later great devices. But that's not why people love Apple. They love Apple because of how it makes them feel, and we have to focus on that in our messaging. So, by the way, if you get a chance, watch this. Now, so this is the, this is the extra you get now at PNR This Old Marketing. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. So if you bought, this is split adjusted. Go back to Apple share price, split adjusted. If you go back to 1987, uh, let's say July of 1987, you could have bought Apple stock for $2.02. Split adjusted. Cheese it. Cheese it. Huh. Cheese it. Yeah. But let's say, let's say you bought in July of 1987 and put whatever thousands of dollars you had at the time. And you'd say, right. whoa, shoot, let's fast forward 10 years to that exact moment in September of September of 1997. And you'd say, oh, Apple stock must have doubled, tripled, quadrupled. You would have actually lost 70% of your money. The price of Apple stock when Steve Jobs had this internal meaning was 77 cents. Wow. So it had bottomed out to an all-time wow. low because nobody believed in Apple anymore. Now, right. yes, you could talk about, and we all know the services and the products that came out later, but it, I don't believe it's a coincidence. I believe that Steve Jobs came in and his most important thing that he did beyond all the other innovation is he said, this is the pur- this is Apple's purpose and this is how we're going to market. And of course, from then they did the whole Think Different program, which was a smashing success. Yep. So let, let's take it a step further. Let's say, oh, I let's say, so July, July 9th of 1997, the stock price was 77 cents. So they go on. He does his thing in September 23rd, whatever. And from that moment on to today, 25,000% return. And the reason why it's interesting to me is that the first 10 years, if you were an Apple stockholder, were horrible. Right, right, exactly. 
And but what was the change? What was the thing that triggered the change? And we see that in the stock price. And that's this video by Steve Jobs basically changing the marketing direction of the company around this idea purpose. So anyways, that's I'm just going to drop the mic right there. Yeah, no, you <laughs> should. I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's well, I mean, so I think, you know, look, I'll, I'll tease up my my rant a little bit um, and, and and because I'll talk at some length about this. But ultimately, what we've got here um, as the Struther Martin quote might say, what we've have here is a failure to communicate. Um, is the 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 misunderstanding of the difference between purpose and a cause, and 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 what we see a lot now, and we'll I'll speak to this when we get to that part of the show. Um, is that we've got brands that are looking like Unilever here is talking about sustainability as a cause, cause versus a brand purpose. And what Jobs did so well was to figure out the brand story, the purpose-based marketing of what Apple stood for. Yes. What does Apple stand for when it comes to a human condition, a point of view on the world? And that's different. It matches up with causes, but it's not necessarily in itself a cause. Um, yeah, so that's so what that's you're what saying. I, no, no, this is really important. So what you're saying is Unilever, although commendable, sustainability. I don't know that a, it's commendable. I don't know that it's commendable. You, but you're I, saying I, that's a cause, that's a cause and not a purpose. It, if, as I understand as it, understand. And I, now I'm not in the internal meetings where they're sort of looking at their brand purpose and, and figuring out how sustainability matches into that. Yeah. But to me, that feels like, Hey, this is a very popular topic right now that we need to be behind. Um, and so let's figure out how the brand can fit into that cause versus how does the cause fit into our overall purpose of our brand. And I so, think you've got to figure out the latter before you can figure out the former. So this is interesting because then what you would say is even though Nike's purpose was always to shine a light on great athletic activities and athletes, that's sort of the purpose that they have. But the this thing, let's say with Colin Kaepernick and some of those are causes – of well, today. W- w- wait till I get to my rant. Okay, we'll just wait drop till it right I get down. to my oh, rant. I, I'm fascinated by what yeah. you have to say, but we're just, yeah. I don't want to. We don't want to yeah. spoil it. Well, right. speaking of this cause, we have. I mean, it's our first show back, but we have a lovely, wonderful sponsor we have to talk about. We're we we're, we're, we love talking about this idea, right? I mean, this is something that's both near and dear to our hearts. Did you know, Robert, <laughs> that Content Marketing World was returning this year for a ninth year? I did, did you, know that. I, I did had you a know little bit number of number nine. I I, I I did know that it was number, number nine, nine, and I I number was nine. aware. I have been made aware that I have to be in Cleveland on September third through sixth. Yeah. Third through th- yes. that's right. Yes. Good, really good. You I, did I'm your supposed homework. to be there. I am supposed to be yes, there. Yes, yeah. this will be again in Cleveland, Ohio, and apparently four thousand, four thousand other, which markers. is amazing. That that's it is amazing. amazing. It's yeah. it's amazing to that it started from two or three. I think we're interested at first in 2011, <laughs> and it I think grew. It was me and you, it and we, yeah, we, it was basically yeah. it was a, it was a roundtable activity, yeah. is what it was. <laughs> and then uh, now it's four thousand other marketers that you can learn, grow, and network with. 
uh, around the idea of and and it's it is content marketing, but it's really a lot of the stuff we're talking about here. It's all That's around right. how marketing is changing the business that you're in. And uh, as our industry has evolved, content marketing world has as well. They have four days of educational content and real content marketing success stories from the greatest brands around the world and, and, and there's new some amazing and yeah, brands. There's some amazing, amazing brands coming this year. I mean, we've got uh, there, there's some wonderful, wonderful brands coming this year. Uh, and by the way, uh, I have had all people. People still give me credit for doing the lineup choices. I do none of it anymore i'm not involved at all and by the way who has ever done the lineup this year has done a fantastic job it's I'm good it's totally a really good lineup yeah we've got mindy kaling of course headlining there is uh henry rollins who i had the distinct pleasure of interviewing at content tech this year and he was so good we said we got to have him for content marketing world so we've got henry rollins and mindy kaling and the amazing scott stratton is back you know unmarketing guy um, we've got uh, Tamsin Webster is going to be there keynoting, talking about Red Thread, talk about brand storytelling. It's going to be, it's it's pretty amazing. Are you speaking at Content Marketing? I, yeah, World? well, there's that. I mean, I you know, yes, of course. Uh, and by the way, I and you and I are both speaking um, at Content Marketing World, which is. That's not the reason not to sign up, by the way, folks. I mean, you know, the two of us knuckleheads um, speaking, um, we, we're only on for a short time. So there's some really good people there, too. I, I'm just happy they're letting me in the door. I'm really <laughs> excited about being able to come back and wear my, wear my orange again and proudly, proudly. There so anyways, you should yeah. go. If you're thinking about going, you should go. ContentMarketingWorld.com. When you register, use the code P. N-R, that's P as in Polizzi, N as in the letter N, R as in Rose, and the number 19 as in 2019, P-N-R-19, and you save $100 off. And by the way, if you use that code, then they'll say, oh, it was great that Robert and Joe started this podcast again because that's they're doing right. something useful. That's right. So anyways. That is, that is exactly right. Content Marketing World, September 3rd through 6th. Be there. folks it is now time for our last segment of the show and of course it's your favorite part of the show and something i know i've missed doing for the 577 days that we've been away and that's our rants and raves section of the show where joe and i go off on and here it comes a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like oh we're spock on the genesis planet or we are basically one of those big bugs um crawling into someone's ear Sorry, I'm just geeking out on Star Trek for a bit. Um, let's see. Are you I guess wearing your Star Trek suit. Right I am now? wearing my Star. <laughs> Here's something funny. I'm actually wearing my Star Trek T-shirt. So <laughs> I figured it was. Something uh, I didn't like even that. plan that. I didn't even plan that. But yes, I am actually wearing a Star Trek T-shirt. But you, so. you have you have an official. I do have an entire yeah. suit. Yes, I do have an. Entire Maybe that's next, next episode. Next generation. I, it, it looks suit. a little warm though. It looks a little. It's woolly. very warm. It's yeah. it's some heavy wool. I will tell you that. But didn't Will? Yeah. It's the same one William Shatner wore. I think. No, right? no, 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 no. It's a. Uh, it's a, oh, you're right. It actually is. Yes, in 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 the. <laughs> Latter part of uh, let's see, ep- it would be this uh, movie number 
four, three or four is the one that Shatner wore. Yeah, it's it's that it's that captain's uniform. You yep. dare question me? <laughs> All right, what's your rant and race? All right, yes, I guess um, I don't know who went last, <laughs> first last. Um, so oh, I I'm think I, I did. First. I think I went first last time. <laughs> okay, so I'm going days first ago. this time. Yeah, um, and so let me just give you very quick rave. Um, that we'll put in the show notes. Um, I just want to, it's very, very quick rave. It is by um, a friend and family of the show, Doug Kessler of velocitypartners.com. Amazing blog post. It's called B2B Marketers Take Your Website Back. This gets to exactly what we were talking about at the top of the show when we were talking about this idea of de-siloing marketing and all of that. He really talks about this idea how we really have siloed to the point where the entire website is now fragmented and segmented into teams and nobody, there's not a consistent voice. There's not a consistent experience. Um, and he really talks through this idea of governance and how that needs to be fixed. Um, and so it's just an amazing post. I couldn't recommend it more and I won't spoil it by reading it here, but just a great post and something that we're dealing with on a day to day basis. So yeah, definitely go read it. Um, my rant um, which is uh, uh, was something we just touched on in the show and that you were interested in. Um, it is there's an article that came out in Ad Week and this came out of, in May actually, um, but it's something that has been on my mind because as you pointed out, cause marketing and and purpose based marketing has been in the news so much. And basically, it was a research study that uh, Ad Week was reporting on that basically said that uh, study finds that having a purpose has to expand extend beyond a campaign because millennials uh, aren't getting it. Like basically, young people aren't responding to this idea. Um, and so Meredith Ferguson, who is a managing partner at an organization called Do Something, she's quoted as saying, marketers are missing the mark in how to get cause marketing right and using it as a connection point. And if you do cause marketing, you have to understand that it's deeper and more than just a simple campaign. And what they did was they went out and interviewed roughly 1,900 uh, of their members aged 13 to 25, so squarely in that younger generation, um, on their awareness of 88 retail and consumer brands that support social causes and platforms and issues. What they found was that two out of the three say that a brand's association with a social cause does positively influence their overall impression of the brand. Moreover, 60% say that this association is going to affect their likelihood of purchasing. However, what they also found, of the 88 brands they tested, Dove, and Patagonia, Nike, DSW, Axe, an average of just 12% of the respondents had any top-of-mind associations between the brands they were similar with and the social cause of their platform. So that my take on this, and this is my little bit of a rant, not on the article. My rant is on what we just were talking about, this idea of understanding purpose versus cause, which is as brands, we got to understand that there's two aspects to this, right? We, I agree with the idea or the conclusion of the research that we've got to take this beyond campaigns. We, you and I have been talking about that for you know years. Yeah. And we have to live whatever cause we're going to get into because it is part of our story or our brand purpose. The key is how you take it and roll it up into what you stand for. And that's where this important thing lies. And it's why so many of these things fail. It's not because millennials can't take it or don't understand it or that young people don't under, you know, don't resonate with it. In other words, the 12% number isn't a millennial or young people problem. It's not a consumer problem. It's that brands aren't doing this very well. 
And so you take Nike. Nike's a perfect example of this because it's been in the news recently, right? If over the July 4th weekend, if you look at the Colin Kaepernick related campaign, um, this is a layered story, and this is where it is totally right to me. It really, I get it, right? I get the brand story because if you look at Nike's main website, they celebrate the brand, right? They're celebrating the brand story. And so they're, they're trying to figure out how to do this in a way that actually celebrates that brand in a, in, in, in a, in a smart way, right? This says we're celebrating the, app, the, the, the athlete, and the story that Kaepernick speaks to, literally, as the voiceover in that crazy, you know, the dream crazy ad is basically, don't ask if your dreams are crazy, ask if they're crazy enough. And then they cut to him saying, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And of course, people read into the meaning of that because he was the guy saying it. So for Nike in that particular idea, the context of the celebration of the athlete is what fed the cause. They actually don't need you to remember the cause because, quite frankly, what you're going to do is remember the, the, the idea of the purpose, the athlete. And that's the difference because if you then look at it from the opposite thing, which is the Betsy Ross flag in the shoe, what Nike failed to do with the Betsy Ross flag in the shoe was to create the narrative. In other words, what they allowed to happen was the imagery of the flag itself because other people had created the narrative, and unfortunately, this is right-wing, alt-right, you know, sort of Nazi-loving people, had created the narrative with the Betsy Ross flag. That's what got fed. Yeah. So it didn't match the brand purpose. Creating a Betsy Ross shoe doesn't celebrate the, the narrative of celebrating the athlete. Thus, the story fails. That's the key difference for us, is if we have to understand the brand purpose and what we stand for first, then how the cause feeds that brand purpose. And that's the, that's the real difference here. The storyteller needs a point of view that establishes that before state, the, before, the pre-value existence of that brand purpose, so that we can build tension and make the audience care about the value, thus make people care about the cause. And I see that all the time with brands failing to do this. And that's, that, that's my point of view on the, on the cause versus purpose thing. Deep thoughts. <laughs> Deep thoughts. By Robert yeah. One episode Rose. back. One episode back. Oh, I am and, tingling, my friend. Yeah, that's, that was is. something special. Yeah, I, hopefully. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. That, yeah. that distinction. That's yes. very important. Uh, quickly... Yeah, I have a uh, a short rave and a a short rant. Uh, first on the rave, um, this is just a couple months ago in the news, but we hadn't been around to cover it, so I want to cover it. Our one of our favorite media companies, Dennis Publishing, which if you remember, we covered them years ago. They sell uh, a ton of cars now through their automotive magazines. They sold off two of their magazines to custom computer manufacturer Raspberry Pi. Are you familiar with Raspberry Pi, Robert? Do you I know? am indeed. Yes, I'm indeed in fact familiar with this story and with Raspberry Pi. Well, I love Ras- this case. I love this case study. I knew about Raspberry Pi a long time ago because my oldest son Joshua has one and he takes it everywhere he would used to at least and hook it up and basically it's a little little custom computer and you can hook it up and you can do all sorts of 
uh, computer commands with it and code it, and, and it's just pretty amazing for custom computer people. And what you see Raspberry Pi doing, I've got a couple examples that I'll put in the show notes, but basically they've created Raspberry Pi Press Division where they have, I don't know how many magazines it is, six or seven now. So they purchased two. Uh, custom PC and digital SLR photography from Dennis Publishing. And then they already had their own, which they created. Um, they already launched a video game magazine back in November or October or November. It is amazing what Raspberry Pi is doing, focusing on their different communities, creating specific content, and then wrapping around their, dare I say, purpose to, to, into that whole thing. Exactly. And it is something special to see. It's actually interesting that Dennis and Raspberry, Dennis Publishing and Raspberry Pi come together because what you see Dennis Publishing do is they're getting rid of some of their media properties and they're going retail. They're selling products and services now. And now you see Raspberry Pi, which is a computer hardware manufacturer, start to grow their media site. And wouldn't you know it, their business models are exactly the same. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> right? Killing marketing. Yeah. Read it. Yeah. So anyways, I just thought that was fascinating. So that's my rave. Good for them. Of course, you're going to see more and more of this happen, as you have over the past year and a half. Now, my rant is um, dun, dun, ma- dun. Yeah. MailChimp Presents. And MailChimp <laughs> Presents launched this uh, yeah. a month or so ago. By the way, I'm a MailChimp customer. Uh, I use their email software. I have nothing against MailChimp. I love the folks there. And by the way, I love that the I love the idea behind this initiative. And if you're not familiar with MailChimp Presents, they came out with um, a short form series, multiple ones, films, podcasts created to target entrepreneurs and to uh, to stoke their passions, let's say, and teach them and case studies and all this kinds of stuff. And it's very, very professional. It's well done. And they've got some really good storytellers doing a lot of these things. Now, you might say, Joe, well, why are you upset about this? I'm not upset about this. Joe, what I, why are you upset about but this? But what I have to say <laughs> is that I have never seen something like this work. And why I'm saying this is that when you see a content brand start or initiative start, it's it usually starts around one thing. You put all your focus and energy about, around getting that one thing right. Let's say about launching New York Times Magazine or around launching Huffington Post, or around John Deere launching The Furrow Magazine. You put everything into that one thing, and you get really, really good at it, and you build that product, and then build that content product. And then once you build that audience, and you, you, and you get their trust going, and they look forward to receiving that information, then you diversify. It's a long, And then you can keep going, and that's how media companies get all sorts of media properties, because they They've done it once, they built an audience, and they go on to the next one. What we see so many times, and you probably see this more than I do, Robert, is you'll go in and you'll see a brand that says, Oh, we're gonna do we're gonna do podcasts, we're gonna do YouTube snackable content, we're yep. gonna we're gonna do the Facebook thing, and we're gonna do the mini magazine, and we're gonna do all these things at one time. And you know what happens? They're all mediocre at best. That's right. And nobody focuses on being great at one thing. Now do I think MailChimp Presents is going to fail? I don't want them to, but I think they will. That's yeah. the problem that I have because I've never seen it work. If I was to do this right, I would launch one amazing podcast and grow that podcast for six or nine months. And then if that works really well, then launch another one. 
and then launch your film or whatever. It just doesn't all happen at one time like that. It's never worked. I've been a part of this way too much. And unfortunately, I, I just don't see good things. I don't know if you do. I don't. I mean, I think they might. Here's the thing. I think if they put the requisite resources into um, these things, um, which I suspect, given all things being equal and what I know of marketing budgets these days, they're not. They will divide and conquer as much as they can. Yes. And some of them will get, you know, meaningful budgets and some of them won't. Maybe they get lucky and one of them becomes a hit, right? One of them actually does work. And I'm sure that's probably their thinking, right? Diversify, you know, their portfolio here. Hedge your launch bets. A, yeah, hedge your bets and launch a few things and see what works. Um, and there's a logic to that. But as you very appropriately point out, it rarely works because what ends up happening is, is that inevitably, either because of internal Waiting, In other words, internal weight of, well, this one is not that big of a bet, so let's just give it a little bit of a budget. And this one is a bigger bet, and yeah. let's give it a big budget. You know, we are, in, we are already making assumptions about which ones should be a hit and which ones won't be. And thus, it, it, it sort of a, it, it gets to be a foregone conclusion. So instead of going big on one idea, we go small on lots of ideas, and ultimately it... it uh, it, it, it ends up, like you say, it ends up, you know, being mediocre at best. Plan B, plan B and content never works. It never, it never <laughs> well, works. I think, I think, you know, it brings to mind this thing that I still quote you on all the time, which is that thing that you said where nobody, no media company ever sets out to be the fifth best in their market. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's what we're, that's, that's what they're acquiescing. They're basically saying, oh, we're fine with being fifth best, you know, in blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I wish, uh. Yeah. So many things I could say about that. Again, kudos to being bold, but be more focused. Yeah, there and it is. And do something, do one thing great. And and do what Netflix did. I mean, if you remember what they did with their Netflix originals, it started yeah. with House of Cards. That's right. It was That's just right. one thing they focused on. And by the way, what happened? It was successful and they said, oh, now, now we can do some other things. It's Curly. It's Curly from uh, the movie. Find your one thing. That one thing. It's so true. So yeah. wise, that Jack Palance. <laughs> so wise. Where are you this week, my friend? Oh, I'm in the beautiful city of Cleveland, Ohio. We are oh, basking right. in the glow. You're traveling, of- I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure you've got lots of, lots of work to do, lots of big projects that you're focusing on. <laughs> I, to be honest, I have been a little bit heads down with this book because I okay. want to get yeah, it right. done. I'm not traveling. I don't. I don't do. I mean, I never really traveled in the summer, anyways. I left yeah. that to you to do the hard work. <laughs> uh, but we have, you know, we we have our big orange effect uh, golfer autism outing coming up August fifth at Elyria Country Club. So we have that going <laughs> on and uh, and doing the book and spending time. You know, the boys are off this summer. Um, they're actually both of them are actually working now. I can't believe it's. They've aged so much, but yeah, it's just been, it's going to be a great summer home and enjoying some time. And, uh, and what, what do you got? You're, you're working. So I am working. Yeah, we are working very hard. We've got a couple of very large clients that we're in the midst of doing, um, big content audits for, um, big content marketing and content strategy projects for sort of reorganizing their entire, I mean, talk about all the things we talked about in the show. We, this, we're in the midst of two very large clients who I can't say it just at the moment, but, but, but will at some point definitely share on the show some of our, Ooh, our learnings. Created tension. 
Yeah, exactly. So, yes. you know, well, as, as Trump says, you're, you're going to love it. You're, you're going to love it. I promise you, you're going to love it. Um, but uh, yeah, so working on that. And actually, I will say this. Um, it is fun for me because it is one of the rare Los Angeles clients. So I'm actually not traveling for it. Um, but we have a big on-site with them here in L.A. next week. And we'll be working um, on that. So that's Fantastic. that's where I'll be. Yeah. Good. So. Good, good. Well, that's it, my friend. We did it. Wow, we, we finished it. Yeah. I mean, good goodness gracious. You know, 577 days later, we can still do this. We can still yatter on for an hour. <laughs> I found my shoes and my glasses. <laughs> exactly. So that's it, folks. We are signing off from episode number 212. And if you like this episode, number 212, that's right. We're back. Resubscribe, won't you? And by the way, if you left us a kind review before, go leave another one because leave another one. We need more. We need more reviews. We need refresh reviews. We need this little thing. We basically, I'm going to tell you straight up. When Joe and I restarted this thing, we want to be the number one marketing podcast out there. So. We have big goals on this thing, and we're everybody not going just laughed at the same time, Robert. I know, hear, I know. I could even I, hear it. I know yes. they're, they're they're laughing at us. True but, story, though. Yeah. You know, first of all, thank you all for your encouragement from the hundreds of you, and that's not a lie. Who've come up to us as we were talking about at the beginning of the show, client engagement that you missed the show. We heard you. We're back. We're we're not going away. We're going to start doing this every two weeks, um, just so you know what the cadence is going to be. But. We're also going to add in a couple of special episodes here and there, so um, it may you know sort of average out to more than once every couple of weeks. But our cadence right now is going to be you know twice a month basically, or every other week for now. Um, and uh, do that. Give us a kind review on the iTunes uh, if you want to sign up for stuff. Um, basically, for me, if you just go to contentadvisory.net, you'll see all the stuff that we're up to. And if you want to subscribe to our little wonderful newsletter, that would be great. And where are they going to find you, Joe? Yeah, uh, so I, I do an every other week newsletter. I, I send it every Thursday, joepolitzi.com slash newsletter. It's called The Random Newsletter, where I basically talk about whatever I want to talk about. So, <laughs> so if you'd like to get it, we've got uh, um, well over a thousand subscribers so far. But it's been fun. I, the the feedback is great, so you can find us there. And uh, and then, by the way, uh, if people want the links to the show, whatever your podcatcher is, whatever your uh, you know whether it's Stitcher or iTunes or whatever, we'll have the notes in there. That's right. You can go in there and find all the links to the articles. Is that that's correct? That's how we're doing it. That's so. exactly. Yeah. Let's do that for now. Yep. For yeah. now, that's exactly how we're going to do it. So, if you're looking for randomness, go to Joe. And if you're looking for really thoughtful information on marketing, you can come to. You can come if you have, to. If you have no to, clue what you want to do with your life. My newsletter's for you. I got it. And of course, we're going to reinvigorate the hashtag. Hashtag us up, won't you? Uh, At this old marketing, hashtag us up, this old marketing. We want your story ideas. Everything, of course, we're going to talk about, as Joe mentioned, will be in the show notes um, and all of that. And until a couple of weeks from now, folks, just remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you in a couple of weeks on This Old Marketing.